Hey everybody, welcome out to another fun-filled episode of Burnt Popcorn. I'm your co-host, Mike Laidman, and I am joined with none other than... Laura Laidman. Each and every week, we take a movie from our past and we have a look back and see if it's just nostalgia keeping our high praise of classic films afloat, or if it really is the real deal and worthy of all the adulation. There's a fly on my computer. Eh, I got it. I'm happy for you. <laughs> well, hello. How are you? Are you I'm good? okay. Today was a good day. Yeah? Yeah. Any reason in particular, specifically? I didn't have to work today. No, that, were you. that would do it. That would do it. Yep. Yeah. Well, Sundays are my favorite. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that yeah. it is a good day for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was a good day for everything, I guess, because we're here and we're doing this podcast and it's going to be a good time. Yeah. I always have fun. I hope other people are having fun. I hope there are other people. Well, we're six episodes in at this point. Yeah, crazy. So, so that should net us at least six listeners. At least one would think. The <laughs> funny thing is, is that at this point, when we're still recording them, no one has heard them. Like, they're not live not yet. Soon. Yeah. Because I'm still, like, doing the album art and, and all of the other fun stuff. And we're trying to get the feel of it down before yeah. we release things. So, so when you actually are listening to this, be aware. That's what's going on. We're recording this in a vacuum. We don't know if you like this show or not. You could but be you like, do. you do. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously, if we're six episodes in, you're still listening. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Well, this week on the show, we're talking about Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. Nice. If this was a visual podcast, everyone could have seen that amazing dancing. Yeah, it was some good dance. Hey, the movie like won Best Dance, was nominated for Best Dance at the MTV Movie Awards. I mean, really, it's it's pretty great. Well, yeah, it was definitely a fantastic dance sequence, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, hit theaters originally back in 1997. In 1967, an international secret agent was cryogenically frozen in case the world ever required his services again. Now, evil is threatening the Earth, and the time has come to bring him back into the 90s. It's not unusual. Allow myself to introduce myself. Danger Powers Personal Effects. Actually, my name is Austin Powers. Danger's my middle name. I'm gonna need you to sign these release forms. Okay, name. Sex? Yes, please. In his time, he was the coolest secret agent alive. Unfortunately... It's freedom, baby, yeah! This is not his time. Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. Always wanting to have fun, Austin. That's you in a nutshell. No, this is me in a nutshell. Help! I'm in a nutshell! <laughs> Let me paint you a picture of the world in May of 1997. And what a topical world it was. On May 1st, Tony Blair was elected Prime Minister of the UK. Tony Blair is kind of one of the most famous UK. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. I, I was curious. When you say topical, my immediate thought was like. Spies. Uh, spies. Well, I guess British spies. Sorry. Sorry. I meant topical. I thought you meant topical in the sense of like Tony Blair's back in the news or something like that. No. But on May 3rd, the UK won Eurovision. 
with the song Love Shine a Light. I don't know if I know that song. I don't know that song either. I don't think I know many Eurovision songs except for the ones from the movie. It's a good movie. It was a good movie. We'll cover that in 20 years on this podcast. There you go. And on May 27th, 20 British women are the first all-female team to reach the North Pole. See? Big, big month for Britain. Mm -hmm. Uh, And on May 21st, Susan Lucci loses the Daytime Emmy Award for the 17th time. Running theme. Running theme here. Yeah. So big, big month for the UK, I'd say, which is perfectly topical because this movie is about a British secret agent man i won't sing again that is the second time you burst into some amount of singing or musicianship the movie's got good tunes but we'll get into that we will definitely but that said austin powers international man of mystery came out on may 2nd 1997 with that the movie leading into may as the box office number one was volcano the Tommy Lee Jones the volcano. The Tommy Lee Jones Volcano, which is a movie I know you would like to cover on this podcast at some point. It actually was my first pick for if you said no to uh, Austin Powers. But then I realized that Austin Powers 2 fit the criteria, and I was going to pick Austin Powers 2 if you said no for uh, this one. Just you wait. Just you wait. So, leading into May, it was number one, which was bumped off by, as we all know now, not this movie. Yes. It was actually beaten by a Kurt Russell movie called Breakdown, which earned $12.3 million at the box office. I have never heard of this movie. I've seen it. Oh. If I remember correctly, it does not have a happy ending. Uh, well. Huh. It's like he and his wife are on a road trip and their car breaks down. And then the wife, like a car pulls up and the wife is like, I'll go with this guy and call for help. And then she like never comes back. I would never do that. Yeah. It was the 90s. It was the 90s. And then Kurt Russell's like, what's going on? And then he like, he follows the truck back to wherever it ended up. And it turns out they're like human traffickers or something like that. Yikes. Yeah. That's not as happy as this movie. So a week later, that movie was beaten by The Fifth Element. And after that was The Lost World Jurassic Park. So big, big movies after this. Didn't stand a chance of maybe hitting that number one three weeks after release because that was Jurassic Park. Yeah, I, I did some some looking just to see if it would hit that number one a few weeks later. No, and it, it was it stays pretty much in the top ten for a while, but it does not go near number one. Don't you worry. The biggest movie of the year that was released that year and made its money that year was Men in Black. At $250 million, followed by Lost World and Liar Liar. Of course, the biggest movie of 1997 was Titanic, but it made most of its movie money in 1998. Uh, Austin Powers was 35th overall at $53.8 million. So again, not really hitting the criteria, but it actually does hit our other criteria. It won the Saturn Award for Best Fantasy Film and won Best Villain and was nominated for Best Movie at the MTV Movie Awards. So it actually does count. Just barely. Just barely. Hey, hey, we counted Army of Darkness for the exact same awards ceremony. Like <laughs> best, well, That was horror and this is fantasy at a different year. But it still counts. There you go. There you go. You keep going, oh, I don't know if my movie counts. It's like, oh, don't you worry. We'll make it count. Any loophole we can take. It's not a loophole. We said award winner for best picture. The Saturn Awards is a real award and the Razzies don't count. Fair. Just to qualify that for future episodes. Fair. Well, my memories of this movie don't involve even going to see it in theaters. Same. Because I saw it on VHS. Same. 
And I remember I rented it from Blockbuster Video and I liked it so much that I actually ran out and I bought my own copy. So I remember I remember the the poster because the it was this big yellow poster of Austin Powers and oh god I, I I'm trying to say Miss Kensington. The, I'm trying to say her name, but also the actress who plays her as Liz well, Hurley? Liz Hurley. So I was gonna, I was about to say Liz Kensington, ah, close which enough. yeah. Anyway, Elizabeth Hurley and Mike Myers, like it's that that iconic yellow cover. I could always pull Austin Powers out of my VHS collection just based off of where's the enormous blob of yellow because I didn't really have. There were not really any other VHSs that were that kind of color, and it's so funny because I must have watched this movie like a hundred times, and. We talked about on Billy Madison how I knew that movie so well that I could quote like absolutely everything in it. Surprisingly, I feel like I've seen Austin Powers way more, but I couldn't quote Austin Powers as well as I could quote Billy Madison, I think. Uh, even so, there's still quite a bit of this movie that I could still have quoted to you. But I feel like this movie, it's a lot more you focus on the, yeah, baby, shagadelic, yeah. that stuff rather than like full lines of dialogue it's true. it has so many catchphrases so that's i think what sticks in your brain is the catchphrases yeah but no i same went to the local video store because i lived in a small town and we had video 99 and not uh blockbuster or what, what are the other big retail chains jumbo video maybe jumbo video was very canadian though yeah same with rogers video and everything these are all canadian but like I went to, there was a small chain called Video 99 and went there into town and got it there. And I'm I'm pretty sure same situation, went out and bought it because we watched it. So like we rented it a few times. We're like, we might as well just buy it because it's, it was a fun movie. We had all three of the Austin Powers movies on VHS. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I saw the other two in theaters. Definitely didn't see this one in theaters. But I, again, like a lot of people obviously did because it did do financially okay, but not great. Yeah. But its biggest success was home video. And I remember hearing about how it was getting a sequel because of how well it did on home video. And that kind of stuck out in my brain. And then not too long after that, I actually started working at a video store. Right. But it was an even more independent video store. Which was called? It was just called Caledonia Video. Oh, well, still got a name, right? Yeah, I guess. But it was literally town name video works it yeah. works it was big video stores it was like your your empire records of video stores rose colored glasses for sure there's a lot of karens in caledonia and that building is no longer there no it burnt down it burnt down anyway you started the fire right no oh don't tell no <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because i it was the same situation i had all three movies on vhs and it wasn't until years later that i actually upgraded to dvd i bought a collection where it was all three movies in one oh. case. And uh, we found this out the other day that it is a full screen copy, not a widescreen copy oh, no. of each movie. So it was like, it was funny because it popped up and you and I had already done research about like, is it on any of the streaming services so we can watch? Well, it's not on one of the ones that we have. So it was like, uh, okay, I guess guess we'll watch this full screen copy <laughs> there, it wasn't too bad like watching it in full screen there was only one scene that I, I even stopped it and rewound it and it was right at the beginning and it was there was a shot they were they were in london they were going to the pussycat swingers club 
And there was a big boy, the big boy that Dr. Evil escapes in is on top of the club. And as an establishing shot, they show the big boy and then they pan down. And I, I rewound it and I pointed this out to you that in the full screen version, when it's panning down, the big boy graphics disappear mm-hmm. before the top of the screen does. Yeah. So like as it pans down, the, the CG effect starts disappearing before the top of the screen meets it. Which was quite a funny catch because like, and I feel like the same thing goes for like magicians, right? Like you're, that's not what you're paying attention to. So your eye just doesn't notice it. So the fact that you noticed it, because I never would have noticed it. It was, I felt like it was big. Like it was a big enough gap at the top that it was maybe because we have such a big TV. Maybe I just don't pay attention to crap like that. And I just, I'm like, I'm so engrossed in the story. You know what I was writing down during that time? What? Man, being an extra in this opening must have been so fun. I've done extra work. You know that. I've yes. been in a few things. I was in uh, that James Franco miniseries. What about uh, JFK? What about JFK, the Stephen King one? Uh, I was in some crime shows. I was in an episode of Heroes. I've been in some Hallmark Christmas movies. This makes it sound like I'm in them, but I am literally just in the background. The background except extra. for the one with James Franco. I actually was in a scene with James Franco. That was pretty cool. Yes. You got to walk right in front of him. Yep. It was my job. And I did great. They love me. I should have parlayed that into being a starlet. You should have tried to get yourself one line, even if it was like, hey, or something like that. You should have. Damn it. I could have gotten into like Actra. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But (laughs) my first thought was how much fun the opening would have been as an extra. And I say that knowing what goes into being a background actor and being like, I don't know, those clothes would probably have been really uncomfortable. Right. And have that old vintage clothes smell also true having to do the hair and makeup so they're probably there at like four in the morning to do all the hair and makeup on that many people it would have been a big day but you know what probably still would have been a lot of fun but yeah it's funny because actually i was listening to a podcast recently where they were talking about i, I listened to a podcast called uh, Twenty Thousand hertz where they talk about audio and and like famous sounds and stuff and they were talking about actually making sound effects for movies and stuff. And they were talking about how in a scene like this, when they're recording it live, the people dancing, they're not listening to any actual music. It's just them like, you know, like dancing around yeah. to, to no music. Yeah. So as, as, as fun as it might seem to stand there and like, Oh, I'm just dancing to incense and peppermints, which is a good song that wouldn't have been playing the, well, they were, no. were doing that. They would just be standing there going like, not even going like whoop whoop that the whoops and stuff would be added in in post and stuff like that they'd be quiet while mike myers came in and ran through his lines yeah so but like and then the club same thing and i again i think oh it'd be so much fun but like probably uncomfortable shoes like my mom gave me a pair of shoes years ago my feet are way bigger than my mom's that she wore in the late 60s early 70s and they were super high blue velvet platinum or platform not platinum platform shoes and they were like a five inch plat platform i keep wanting to say platinum and i don't know why i'm gonna blame all the coral we've been watching that's quite possible and we'll uh, be talking about platinum trophies in video games oh that too but yeah these platform shoes so and i remember putting them on when i was like in high school when i gave a poop about wearing like heels and like fashion and I was like, why Why would I do this to my feet? So standing on those for 14, 15 hour days to film these scenes, 
it probably wasn't as fun as I initially thought it was. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we got that out of the way. But still, it looked like it was a it lot of fun. It did look like it was They look like they're having a great time. So good job, background. Clap, clap, clap. Yay. It's, it's funny because you, uh, you, you said that that's the first thing you wrote down is it would be great to, to have, have been a background extra in, in that sequence. It's another theme for me that, that's been going through steadily throughout the podcast. If I'm really enjoying the movie, I don't write down much. And, and I don't oh, have... Oh, so you didn't write down a lot for the craft, so you must have loved the craft. No, we, <laughs> we established that. When we established for the craft, I was just dumbfounded and didn't know what to say. Ugh. But w- I wrote down two things. One we'll get to, so okay. I'll just I'll just leave that one alone. But one of the things that I wrote about this movie, and it's I think in just in general, like it covers the entire movie, is all of the jokes go way too long, but that doesn't mean they're not funny. Yeah, like every every joke just I mean, perfect example right at the beginning, Will Ferrell in his little cameo as Mustafa, he goes into the the burn pit and and is just burnt forever. It's like a two minute bit, you know, like of just him being like, oh, I'm burnt. Please help. And and it's hilarious, but it's so long. <laughs> and like almost every joke in the movie is that way. You know what's funny? When I first watched this movie, and it's been years since I've seen this movie, it's probably been a good 15, 20 years since I've watched this movie at this point. I didn't know until now that that was Will Ferrell. Well, not until we watched it this time, not until like right this minute. I knew watching it. I was like, oh, Mustafa's Will Ferrell. I had no idea. There's quite a few cameos in this movie. Yeah. Like quite a few cameos. Yeah. But that was probably because like at 1997, he wasn't who he is now. Like he was just on SNL and starting to get some like popularity there. He wasn't like. You know, it's not like Will Ferrell popping in a, up in a movie and like as a surprise in 2020, it was 1997. Yeah. It's funny because there is some SNL connective tissue in this movie, even though it's not involving SNL at all. And, and obviously Mike Myers is in it. Mike Myers bases his performance of Dr. Evil on Lorne Michaels. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm fairly, pretty sure that that's a, a pretty well-known fact that he's talked about that a lot is that. The per, his portrayal of Doctor Evil is just a hundred percent a Lorne Michaels impression. Yeah, and I've you know after you meet, you see Lorne Michaels after that, you're like, oh, he is. It's a hundred. He, he is doing Lorne Michaels, and and then obviously Will Ferrell, who's on Saturday Night Live at the time, and there's a couple other small ones too. But did you know? Speaking of Mike Myers's impression of Lorne Michaels for Doctor Evil, initially, do you know who he wanted to cast as Doctor Evil? He didn't originally want to play the role himself. No. Jim Carrey. Oh, really? But he was doing Liar Liar and couldn't do it. Oh, that's funny. Considering yeah. Liar Liar beat it at the box office. Exactly. So there you go. A little connection there. But yeah, there, there's like other things like I didn't know it was Will Ferrell as a kid because I didn't know as a kid really who Will Ferrell was. And, you know, but one of the other things I didn't did not get as a kid that I'm like, oh, that's actually a really clever joke is Basil exposition yes i was just like oh that's actually really that's that's pretty clever and like it's not even like so clever because like as an adult i'm aware of what exposition is but it's just funny because like his whole job is to be the exposition and so they just call him that and it's i don't know i thought but maybe it's because he says it in a you know delightful british accent that you just think it's a real name you know? right like but as a as you know when i first saw this movie i was 12, 13 years old. I didn't get it. I didn't know what exposition was 
13, 14 years old, however old I was. That's fair. That's fair that you uh, might not have known that. It's it's it's. I see rewatch a lot of movies that mm-hmm. you watch when you were kids. It's like I told you when we were watching Ninja Turtles two. There's a sequence where they're trying to find a new place to live, and Raphael makes a comment about playing Century Twenty One, and I had no idea as a kid what that meant. Oh. <laughs> and now I realize, you know, as I got older, oh wait, he's talking about you know looking for a house because Century Twenty One is a is a company like Remax where you list houses and buy houses. So. Yeah, like there's, but like one of the other things, and again, as a kid, I I had no idea. Like even at that age, like I had no idea about like the Cold War. But when Austin gets unfrozen. You know, they're like, oh, the the Americans and the Russians are working together. The Cold War is over. And Austin's first immediate guess is, oh, America lost. You know, the Russians are the winners because capitalism sucks. And we, you know, and then it's like, no, 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 we won. And he's like, oh, that's groovy. And I'm like, that's right. Capitalism does suck. Yeah, that that, that was a, a good bit, too. Like, there's a lot of fun bits just with weird, like, I've always enjoyed. And I even I mentioned this to you while we were watching at the beginning when 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 Clint Howard makes his his little cameo as the radio operator and and he messages another great actor who's who shows up in the movie i can never remember that dude's name but he's in all sorts of stuff and he's usually an authority figure but like an authority figure in a comedy usually <laughs> and and he plays the the american general and I, i'll never forget his pronunciation of england oh england i'm going to london england and, and that has always stuck with me. That, that's one of the things that when I think of this movie, I don't know why London England is, is a bit that always sticks with me. And the other thing I've heard in other media, like that rough general sort of character, that's one of the like the, the common things that I, I've actually heard that pronunciation of the word before, England. And like there has to be someone that's initially based off of, but it is a pronunciation quirk that I have heard before another film right so no i i just there was a lot of stuff again like i didn't the movie is smarter than it has any right to be for a goofy sexed up parody film but like other things that we both noticed kind of at the same time like the soup nazi from seinfeld is in the movie which was kind of like a wait a minute is that that's the soup nazi it would have had no idea as a kid, right? And that's when Seinfeld was huge. I didn't even watch Seinfeld then, but people, everyone talked about it. I knew who the soup Nazi was then. And then when Tom Arnold pops in, like right after that. Yeah. And like the joke in the actual, like the whole thing in the bathroom is just, it's so crass. And <laughs> yeah. who does number two work and for? And you know, as soon as the guy says his name is number two, you know that there's going to be in this kind of movie, like the poop jokes. Yeah. But it's way funnier than it has any right to be as like a silly like poop joke. And he's like, yeah, you show who's boss, who is yeah. number two work for. <laughs> yeah. you know? And like, it's just like this should be as funny as it is, but it's hilarious. And the best part, too, is it, it's, it's one of those things that like there, there's a video that I saw about The Simpsons and why The Simpsons jokes are funny. And, and it has something to do with like especially like old Simpsons, why old Simpsons is funny. And it's where you take a joke. And then it, it, it's silly, but then they add a joke on top of that joke. Yeah. And the example that they give is the scene where Bart is looking for his soul and he, he almost gets run over by the street sweeper and he dives out of the way and the street sweeper launches his bike out, but it's 
completely clean. Yeah, because it runs over the bike and yeah. spits it out. And and that's a great joke right there. Like, oh, you're not expecting it. You're expecting it to be broken. And it's it's nice and clean. And then Bart gets on it and it breaks. And then that's a joke. Yeah. And then the street sweeper guy laughing maniacally over this like trap that he sprung on Bart is another joke that's great. This is added on top, just layered on top of it. And then the sweet sweeper guy, because he's so busy laughing at Bart, crashes down a subway tunnel. And that's just another joke layered on top of that. And 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 this scene with 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 Tom Arnold and the poop jokes, it's another scene like that where they just keep layering jokes on top of each other. And it culminates in this scene where where after Austin kills the man in the toilet, he kills the the, the assassin he, with his lucky charms. He kills him. And Tom Arnold goes, Jesus boy. What did you eat? Like, yeah. just he doesn't he doesn't point out the fact that there's a dead body in the bathroom. Yeah. He just adds another joke of like of just ludicrous. There's no way he obviously pooped out a person, but like, but he's still he's like, yeah, it makes sense. It's Vegas, baby. Yeah, you know, like what happens in Vegas stays mm-hmm. in Vegas. Yeah, and yeah, it's just. But I, it goes back to your point of like the the jokes just keep going on. It's like. But it's not that they're just like one note jokes. They're these jokes with the layers of it just adding another layer to the joke. So instead of like one note, it's like a cake with many layers. Right. Well, I mean, another great scene, and this is the other thing I wrote down, is the steamroller scene. Oh, my God. That is. <laughs> did you notice the door to that room says steamroller testing facility? I didn't until you mentioned this. Which is just like, why? Why does this building even have that? Because they, they basically talk about the company and they're like, it's a, it's a communications company. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's like a multinational conglomerate. It's, yeah. It's like. Why would, they, or why something. would they have a steamroller room? <laughs> yeah, like why? What what is the whole point? Yeah. And it's so and like we're getting so ahead, but I can't I feel like it's the perfect time. So you watch these movies and you think, why does this evil corporation who's obviously out to take over the world and they've got like a nuclear warhead and all these people are working there and blah blah blah. One, where do they post a resume for these people? Right. Like, where are you getting people who are looking to get into the evils? Like, this is. But then I was like, but wait a minute. This like, what was it? Virtue, Virtucorp? Virtucon. Virtucon was, you know, the this top conglomerate. Like these, these people were probably initially like, oh, I'm going to be doing like IT for this, you know, conglomerate. Oh, I'm going to be doing operations for, you know, this drilling company. Oh, I'm going to be doing packaging for this company. And I'm like, oh my God, it's fucking Amazon. (laughs) This is how it starts. Because like you think about it when you're like, you go to work for Amazon and you're just like, well, I'm just going to be packing boxes or I'm just going to be answering phone calls or I'm just going to be doing like data entry. And then next thing you know, it's like Jeff Bezos is like, oh, by the way, we're also going to be adding a nuclear division. And you're like, Okay, well, that doesn't affect me. I mean, I'm just packing boxes. And then, you know, later it's like, actually, we are opening this facility and the pay is better. And you can go work there for a bit more pay and uh, about the same duties. And you're like, okay. And you don't really question it because you're making more, a little more money and you go. And, you know, next thing you know, like there's a spy trying to break in and you're like, oh, I can't lose this job. I guess I'll try to stop the spy. And I'll keep doing my job. And then it just goes and goes. And that's how it happens. They start out these normal companies and then they turn evil. But all the people already work there and they have no choice to keep going because how are they going to feed their families? 
Yeah. I got promoted. What's your new job? I'm the guy who counts down when the warhead is reaching the Earth's molten core. But like, let's say, <laughs> think about it. And like this, this happens. How many times has this happened with like, I was just following orders. And like how many companies do you see where it's like, how can somebody work for like an evil company like Nestle? It's like they they do it because they're like, well, the pay is good and it pays for my family and I can't find anything else. And like, is it really that bad? And you start getting indoctrinated in the company thinking. And the next thing you know, it's like your boss is like living in a super volcano. If you had asked me where that was going last week. When I suggested this movie, <laughs> if I thought we were going to end up at a lengthy rant about how Jeff Bezos is Dr. Evil. He kind of is. I mean, I, have you seen him? He's definitely evil. He does have a kind of a Dr. Evil Did shape. Did you know he could give every single one of the Amazon employees $100,000 and the only money he would lose is the amount of money he gained during the pandemic? He'd be like, March. Still the richest man in the, the world. But not as rich as he is today, just slightly less insanely wealthy. $100,000 to everyone who works for him. So getting back to the movie. He's an evil man. <laughs> getting back to the movie. I don't know if you had any other points that you would like to to specifically call out. Yeah. Did you know that uh, I really felt, especially for 1997, Austin, despite his sexy sex, all the time sex, He's actually a good dude. Yeah. Because Vanessa was like, let's do it. Let's have sex when she was drunk. And he's like, no, 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 you're drunk. I can't. Yeah. Even though he's just like, let's have sex all the time. He's still got like a code. Yeah. He's, when it comes he's to like, not, he has morals when yeah, it comes to it. He's he not wants, a bad person. Yeah. He wants to have sex with willing partners. Yeah. Consensual only. And I was like, good for you, Austin. You can be horny and randy and, you know, inquire if someone consensually would like to have sex with you. But He's not going to do it unless she's 100% sober and okay with it. It's good for him. I was very pleased at that. It was one of those things that I didn't really remember from watching it before. But in today's world, this movie, I, I think, despite how sex-crazed he is, he does still get a pass. <laughs> I like that. He just gets he gets a pass. Yeah, yeah, passing grade. He's not a terrible piece of crap. It's true. He's not. He's a good dude. And, you know, that he wants to stop evil and save the day yeah. and and be good about his promiscuity. Yeah. Like yeah. he he talks and even then it gets into at the end of the movie where he's like, no, we still would have had the same ideals in the 60s. We just the mentality would still be there. We just if we'd known the consequences of the time, we would have done things safer. That's all. And right. It's like, yeah, it was a really nice message. Like that's a big part of this movie. It's not making funny of any of this stuff. It's poking fun at it but it's it's showing it's more like their love for this stuff right and and that's the thing that i thought of like anytime because every so often we we watch one of these movies and and we pop into a scene that's very problematic in, yeah. in our current day and age and i was thinking about that for this movie and i'm like i feel like there's going to be some scenes that are that are bad and anything that did kind of pop up that was like uh, i don't know about that i looked at it through the lens of they're not doing this in a vacuum. They're doing this to make fun of this. Yeah. You know, like, like, like there's a scene in the movie where they're going in the VirtuCon tour where Mike Myers is dressed in a turban and like in a beard and he's got like blackface on. And they're not doing that because it's like blackface is funny. They're doing that to make fun of the fact that in James Bond movies, James Bond has done stuff like that. Yeah. And even then, like from what I in reading up in the movie, a lot of the stuff isn't even specifically making fun 
of James Bond. It's or not even parroting James. It's parroting the movies that were ripping off and parroting parroting James Bond in the sixties and seventies. Like right. these are like it's what it's you know because there was obviously so many clones and parodies back in the day at the time. Like you see something that's popular, you're gonna the studio's gonna pump out everything they can that kind of imitates that. So the a lot of that stuff isn't even like oh James Bond did this offensive thing, which James Bond has had his fair share of offensive things. But even then, there's these other films that were then parodying James Bond that this movie is then parodying because it's a love letter to these sorts of movies. Yeah. But on that note, do you remember mm-hmm. the internet in the 90s? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do remember the internet in the 90s. Do you remember Cindy Margolis? Yes, I do. Did you know the first I'd heard of her was not on the internet because I didn't have the internet. I read about her in a Guinness Book of World Records that I actually had. Really? Yeah. She was the first internet model who was successful because of the internet. She was the very first internet thought. Oh, oh, okay. Well, there you go. And she then parlayed that into film success. She was the Fembots. Yes. Yeah. But she wasn't every Fembot. No, but but she was the main Fembot. Yes. That was like... That's her. She, what she was known for was being an internet model, which at the time was something that was so different and unique. It was in the Guinness Book of World Records. And now it's like, everybody knows somebody who's an Instagram model. Yeah, no kidding. Or 10 people who's an Instagram model. And out of every, you know, 100 Instagram models, you might get one who's somewhat successful. And out of everyone, like 100 of those Instagram models, only one of them would be actually like really successful. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, Cindy Margolis, like she, she took the internet and was like, Hey, this is how I'm going to make money. And she was really good at promoting herself. And she was obviously hot. And uh, I thought you were going to follow that up with want to touch the honey. No, 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 no. You're making your point. I'm just yeah, no, no. And just when you looked at me, I thought that's what you're gonna you're gonna say, but no. So it's very interesting that like the fact that in uh, 1997, like she parlayed that internet success, which the internet in 1996-1997 was obviously very different than it is now. Perfect and, example in the movie, Austin checks his email, and it's AOL's "You Got Mail." Yeah, yeah, but. The fun thing is, we're still casting people in films based off of not their um, resumes and headshots and stuff, but because of internet success, it was just announced that they're doing a remake of She's All That, and the star is going to be someone who's only famous because of TikTok. Sounds terrible. Well, I did see a really funny joke on the internet, (laughs) on the Twitter that was like someone because I was like, really from TikTok? I mean, okay, like, hey, if if she's bankable and can actually act, I mean, why not? But someone apparently there's been quite a bit of flack over the fact that they're casting some girl from TikTok. I remember her name because I don't I don't TikTok. I TikTok concerns me, but for other reasons. And one of the comments I saw on Twitter was like, "What being cast in a movie because of TikTok? No, that's not fair. I like have my." Uh, actresses cast based on how we used to do things by giving a producer a handy in the back of his carriage and i was like yeah if she can get a movie because of tiktok good for her right. good for her right anyway things i'm not change. as funny as other people change. on twitter no i can be pretty funny yeah so anyway yes back to this movie 
Yeah. So you talked about the steamrollers. Yes. Which is great. And you, and also, and that's another cameo too. Michael McDonald. Yes. Who I always remember from Mad TV. Yeah, that's exactly what I know him from too. Yeah. Like, so I don't know what he's been up to lately. And I kind of had the same thought about Liz Hurley, what she's up to these days. I can't remember. I just remember there was this period in the 90s where Liz Hurley was in a whole bunch of movies and she was super hot in all of them. Because she's a very attractive British woman. She was in... Some Bravo show a couple the years Royals, ago. Royals, where she yeah. was like the Queen of England or something. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. No, you know, so the vehicle thing with the steamroller is very funny, but I always got even more of a kick out of Austin trying to turn that scooty car thing yes. around in the hallway. How does he even get it perpendicular? I don't I don't understand the physics involved and what he's done, but that just makes it funnier. Yes. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous how he managed to, because obviously they just picked it up and placed it that way. Like there's no other way that that happened, but just the imagery of it is so absurd that it is hilarious. Every time I see that scene, it just makes me laugh so hard. Yeah, that, and it was the same with me with the steamroller. I was dying laughing at the steamroller, and it's a very simple joke. And again, like I said earlier, it goes on a long time. Yeah, but it's it gets funnier yeah. as they do it yeah. like the the slow zoom in on michael mcdonald's face as he's like terrified of yeah. this steamroller that's like a hundred feet away it's it's amazing yeah and like it just keeps going he's like he holds his hand out and he, yeah he's it's just it's really well done and he shows up in the other movies too right i can't remember i think he, he cameos in all of them but there's like and even though the, I said there's a lot of jokes that are very, they, they go on for a long time. There's some really smart, funny, short jokes. Mm-hmm. Like one of my favorites is when number two shows up at the end and he's telling Dr. Evil about how like the company's super successful and you've ruined it with your your lava scheme and and I'm gonna help Austin ta- like take you down, but the whole moment where he's like, and I'm sick of you pushing me around, yeah, <laughs> like that bit comes out of nowhere. Super funny. Another bit with number two that actually really makes me laugh is when he's talking about the legitimate business, and he, he's got the little models. And he's like, here's a plant in, in this place that does this and a plant in this place that makes heat these and a plant in this place that's his cable company. And then this factory outside of Chicago that makes miniature models. Yep. <laughs> like, factories. Yes. Not even just miniature models, because that actually seems like something that could be quite lucrative. No, specifically miniature, miniature models, models of factories. Of factories. Yeah. 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 Another great small joke. Like the, the movie is very witty, very smart. And like- like they just do a really good job of packing the film with so many good jokes and and they like they come from the smallest places like like just when they're going through the the frozen ward when Austin is frozen at the beginning and it's the celebrity wing and it's all celebrities you haven't heard of in yeah. a long time which is really funny cuz now like vanilla ice you know he, he he had a bit of a comeback in the 2000s. Yeah, he wasn't he acting? He was acting. He was also in a, he had a VH1 show where he did like a home repair. He has like a home reno show. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. You're right. He does do a home reno thing. Did you know that my mom is friends with not Gary Coleman, but the other kid from that show, uh Manuel Lewis. Oh, Manuel Lewis, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, my mom's friends with him. I remember you actually telling me that. Yeah. Yeah, he used to come into where she used to work. 
all the time. And yep. he was apparently like super nice guy, like just an absolutely lovely, you know, person. So there you go. You can meet your heroes there. <laughs> your mom's hero is Emmanuel Lewis. No, but I'm just saying if someone's <laughs> hero is Emmanuel Lewis, don't worry. He's actually a really good dude. There you go. Because sometimes they're not good dudes. Speaking of not good dudes. So the film culminates. Yes. Or I guess after the climax, you know, Austin Powers and Miss Kensington, they get married. She becomes Veronica Powers. Veronica, right? Yeah. No, Vanessa. 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 I don't know why I was thinking Veronica. Yeah. So Vanessa Powers. Everything's good. And then the odd job parody, Random Task. Random Task, which which is an amazing name, by the way. Shows up, throws his shoe all very funny because like odd jobs through a hat like who throws a shoe it's all very funny but my my thought when we were watching that scene wasn't about anything really in the scene it was didn't random task murder somebody and the answer is yes oh the, the actor random task that's right the he, guy who played random yeah, task. Uh, his name is joe son and he <laughs> Was sentenced to two hundred and no, he faced a maximum sentence of two hundred seventy-five years. Years, to life. yeah. I was gonna say, I love that. It's like, well, you've been sentenced to two hundred seventy-five years to life. I'm like, how much is life to two hundred seventy-five years? Because we haven't gotten to the point where two hundred seventy-five years is less than is, life. Is less than life. I mean, like, ugh. yeah, he uh, he definitely participated in a gang rape oh, and good. torture. And he was sentenced to prison. Let's see. How many years did he get for that? Sentenced to seven years, which is not nearly enough. Oh, no. 17 years and four months. And then another charge of seven years. Then he killed his cellmate and he got 27 years for that. (laughs) There's a random fact about random task. Yeah. But yeah, my first thought when I was like, because at the start of the movie, when he shows up for the first time, I was like, I feel like I know a dark fact about this person. I can't remember. And then at the end, he showed up. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he killed somebody. And yes, yes, he did. He is a murderer. So that was a less fun note to sign off on. The sad thing is all like the, the gang rape happened like seven years before this movie. If you had asked me when I suggested Austin Powers as the movie last week. We'd be finishing off. I didn't expect that we'd be finishing off talking about random tasks, gang rape, and murders. It was on Christmas Eve. Oh, even better. (laughs) I mean, there's never a good time, but uh, (laughs) it seems extra bad. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, he he wasn't actually like charged until 2008, so it's not like he was charged with this crime and then they still cast him in this movie he nobody knew that he did it or for sure did it at least until dna evidence in 2008 so it's not like the casting agent for austin powers was like oh gang rapist sure we'll hire him so don't worry about that like odd job though and that's what we're going for yeah Yeah. no no no. he he, it was much later that he was like charged at all so nothing to worry about there for the actual like integrity of the casting agents on this one yeah yeah because okay. that would be concerning if it was the other way around is that what we're really going to end before we get into further stuff here no we were talking about the music oh good okay let's do yeah, that the music is fantastic music's a high well. note like there's just oh, the the 60s were such a beautiful time for music i mean oh they just everything about it is just so fun 
and stick it to the man and it just the whole soundtrack is delightful like i know the follow-up soundtracks had like especially like for the the sequel the madonna song beautiful stranger I remember that being a really fun song but it doesn't have the same magic as the movie or the music from the 60s right and then the american woman lenny kravitz version which is in the movie as well oh yeah yeah but no, no, I, the Lenny Kravitz version isn't in the movie. It's in the, I think it's in the credits. Might be. I think the original version of American Woman is plays in the movie, but like they did a whole, I remember. No, they, American they did, Woman's in number two because yeah. it's for Heather Graham. Yeah. I it's, it's, oh, I think yeah. this one. I was like, no. No, because you were talking Graham. already about the Madonna thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, there is a modern take on a classic song in this movie, and it is during the Burt Bacharach scene where he plays his version of what the world needs now, Mm. and then it goes into the modern punk version that I think it's Ben Folds, actually. Ben Folds' version of- Really? Yeah, and that's the version that plays over the montage of them having fun in Las Vegas. Also, what the hell? This Las Vegas- I mean, I know it was the 90s, like the late 90s, but that Las Vegas looks so far removed from modern day Las Vegas. It's ridiculous. How so? Like- How often have you been to Las Vegas? I've never been to Las (laughs) Vegas, but when I think of Las Vegas, like I think of like ridiculous, opulent neon and, and, but like- the modern version of that like because this is this is what that is like this is like giant like the giant stardust sign and and stuff like that but like i'm thinking i think of like hd video walls and stuff like that for modern day and and this is not that las vegas yet no it's very much dirty yeah they're very much the old dirty looking las vegas this this looks like it could have been las vegas in the 1960s yeah and and that was the thing that like I, I could not, that moment when they're doing that montage through Vegas, it was just like, wow, this is not the Las Vegas that I remember, you know, like, no. again, never been. But when I think of Las Vegas, that is not how it's I picture very, it. The 90s in general, as much as I love the 90s, there is a dirtiness to the 90s that we've really lost. Like it's, That's a good thing though, right? No, it's a genuineness of dirtiness. The world is still very dirty. It's just, there's been a, high gloss slapped on it and uh like there's like a fancy instagram filter on it now but in reality like the 90s had a realness that was grungy heck it was grunge true earlier grunge yeah yeah so yeah i still i the movie's great though you're right about vegas it does (laughs) seem like less glitzy yeah it's definitely less glitzy even though it's like you know it feels like it's a price is right studio <laughs> okay that's fair that's an interesting Where it's kind of like it. bright flashing lights but like it's actually kind of probably sticky seats and probably you know, stains yeah yeah well it sounds like that we have kind of a fair idea of where we're going with our ratings but before we get into our ratings critics in 1997 had their own thoughts on this movie so Laura why don't you fill us in on some past reviews Well this movie did quite well critically it still holds a 71% on Rotten Tomatoes for critics and 77% for audience members which doesn't surprise me at all it actually did receive quite good critical reviews when it came out like Roger Ebert who notoriously doesn't like a lot of stuff well he's didn't like past tense stuff that I do. He actually, his kind of quote on this one is a funny movie that only gets funnier. 
like which I was surprised by because I figured this was not the kind of movie that someone like him would go for. So you never know, right? Don't judge a book by its cover. Right. Uh, the critic for the San Francisco Chronicle noted that spy movie parodies are common, but Myers is observant enough to notice things that others haven't, which I completely agree with. Honestly, one of the only really scathing reviews I could find was from TV Guide, and they said the bad news is that it's a one joke picture, which it's not at all. Like it's like we've talked about, there's many layers to it. But I mean, everybody has their own opinion. But really, when it came to like really bad reviews, like really like this movie sucked, there's not many. Most critics were like pretty on board with it, and even the negative ones aren't like bad. They're just like, eh, it's not perfect, you know. So mm-hmm. it, it is it is critically very well received. Well, what is your rating? I feel like I know what it is based on. Oh, it's it's double butter popcorn for sure. This yeah. movie's a ton of fun. I'm so glad we watched it. I had a great time watching it. I just I was smiling the whole time. Part of me was worried that it like it wouldn't have aged well, but it did. Like it ages it aged pretty great. Like yeah. like it's not that bad. Like the, sure he shows up in the 90s, but it's not so full of like it's not dated. You know, like he could have woken up a few years ago and if it wasn't for the fact that you know they're using laptops as thick as my head yeah like it's it's not overly dated at all like there's no weird moment that's like wow that's so 90s that it it just doesn't fit right yeah i mean this the scene where austin is learning about all the things that he missed while he was frozen oh yeah that stuff is stuff he would have learned if you've been unfrozen yet last week yep you know, like obviously there's a few other things that he'd see in there, uh, but like the Berlin Wall and stuff and, and man and man going on the moon, that's all stuff that he would still see. Yeah. And that that doesn't date the film or anything like that. I, I think for a lot of people who are younger, I would say mid twenties and younger, probably will never have the same and even then for us, our comprehension of something like the Berlin Wall is not going to compare to someone like our parents who like really like we're adults at the time where the Berlin wall fell. Whereas for us, it's like, it was an important thing that happened. I'm aware of that, but I think anybody probably under 25 would be like, huh? Yeah. Like not in, not like Germany, don't get me wrong, but like, you know, some like 20 year old kid in Canada, they're probably like, I think I've heard of that. Whereas like it was monumental. Right. So, I mean, history is a funny thing. History is. I f- kind of feel like if you woke up now, they wouldn't have featured it in the in the video because hmm. it was so much closer to 1997 than you know it is to 2020. True, I, I for a second there thought I was like, yeah, I mean that's a 13 year difference, and I went, oh no, honey, it's more than that. We're yeah, old. I don't like. That. Remember, movies have to be at least 20 years old to be oh, on this I podcast. Don't, I don't like the idea. I always think that 1997 was 13 years ago. That's just my state of being. Yeah. And 2006 was two years ago. The math does not add up. No, none of this. of this adds up at all. No. But as I said, I was I was worried that it wouldn't hold up as well, but it does. And, I, and it's a double butter for me too. I, I again, it was another case of I don't really have any notes because I was spending my time enjoying the movie as much as possible. And I don't know if I should just stop taking notes or stop picking movies that I'm not going to like. <laughs> but, but uh, so again, leads me back to you must have loved the craft. No. <laughs> but yeah, double butter. Both of us definitely recommend Austin Powers. I feel like the stuff that I thought wasn't going to age well is stuff that I'm thinking about that was in the sequels. 
You know, because the, yep. the sequels are not like the sequels have their moments, but the sequels are not the first one. The first one is special. The first one has a real like genuine like love for the genre and like awareness of it. And the other ones, the follow ups kind of focus more on those one note jokes. I find there's a lot of in the sequels. Do you remember this joke from the last movie that you like so much? Here it is again, but slightly different. Like the Dr. Evil sh joke. Yeah. It was, is in this movie, it's fantastic. But in the second movie, it's the exact same joke, except it's zip it. Yeah. Yeah. Literally the same. Like, and, and then I, if I remember correctly, they do the same joke again in the third one. In those two, it's, it's more of a, do you remember this? It was funny instead of it just being funny on its own. Yeah. And then beating you with it. Yeah. 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 No, but, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. But yeah, both of us, Double Butter, if you get a chance to, to watch yourself some Austin Powers International. Oh, do it. It's so much fun. Do it. You'll just, you'll be having, if you're having a bad day or a good day and you just want something to unwind to and relax and have fun, it's the perfect movie for it. Fantastic. Couldn't have put it better myself. So for this episode of Burnt Popcorn, I have been Mike. And I'm Laura. And next week, we will be talking about... The exact opposite kind of movie. Oh, good. <laughs> we are going to watch something. I I felt we haven't watched enough from the 80s. So yeah, far. we've been mainly 90s. This is episode six well, we and we've only watched. We are the 90s. It's true. Most of our enjoyment comes from movies from the 90s. True. So we're going to watch Friday the 13th, part three. Oh, which one's part three? That's the one. That's the first one. He gets the mask. Yes. I've watched all of them with you. Yes. Because we, we bought them. It you is went on definitely a, one of the best ones. I'm trying to remember which one. is that, That's the first Tommy Jarvis one, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's um, Corey Feldman. And yeah, I remember that being a wacky movie. And wait, is that the 3D one? Yes. Where like the eyes pop out and stuff? Yeah. Okay. I feel like this is going to be a wacky, wacky fun time. It, and you know what? Honestly, though, it is one of the the best ones. I'm I've been... Honestly, and I think maybe it's just because spooky season is coming up, but it is one I've been wanting to kind of watch again. But so it's a perfect opportunity to because like, I mean, the first one for those, I'm sure everybody knows the first one does not have Jason as the killer. Mm -hmm. And then the second one, he's wearing like kind of like a potato sack. sack. Yeah. And but like Friday the 13th part three is the first one where it really is Jason as you know him. As he becomes a pop culture icon. Yeah, exactly. And personally for me, it's probably my favorite out of the series. So I don't know. There I'm, you go. There's your review already. <laughs> well, that remembering it because it has been because we watched them all when I got it. You know what? Is it the one with Corey? Fe- no, I know it's the 3D one, but I don't think it's the one with Corey Feldman. Okay. Well, there's a lot of them. See, that's the thing. And that's kind of why I wanted to rewatch one of them because I'm like, I'm 90% sure this is one of my favorite ones, but it's been so long since we watched them that now I'm kind of having like, got it being 3D. I'm like, oh, I don't remember a lot. There's just so many of them to like go to bits and pieces. It's not the one where he goes to space. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. That's, that's Are later. Are you sure? No, I'm pretty sure. And yeah. So, again, it's been a long time. Friday the 13th was never my... Fi- I, I like all the Friday the 13th. Don't get me wrong, but it was never my, like, 
franchise that I was a huge, huge fan of. That's Nightmare. Yeah, you're a Nightmare on Elm Street fan. But I'm really excited to sit down and rewatch this one. It's perfect for the start of spooky season. It, the which funny it is thing is, now it's, it's now it's the start of spooky season. When this is actually available for people to listen to, I think spooky season will be over. The Austin it's Powers post- episode may be our Halloween episode. It's post spooky season. Come down. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I think it'll be a, a good time. All right. Well, that's going to be on next week's episode. So we hope you join us on our next episode. Until then, we'll talk to you guys again soon.